As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. Welcome, 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 welcome to Chicago. Coming from the true Chicago sports fan cave, this is the TCSF podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. You know it, baby. He's back again. Got more comes back than Jordan. Episode 107 is brought to you by 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Grit Clothing Company. Don't forget to go to gritclothingco.com and get your official TCSF podcast t-shirts. Search for keyword True Chicago and use our promo code TRUEFAN15 for 15% off your entire order. That is TRUEFAN15. Go and get your official TCSF shirts now. Ahora. <laughs> As always, I am Big Z, and I'm here with my boy E-Rock. What up, E? What's up, Z? What's up, ladies and gentlemen? Welcome to the show. If you are a first-timer or a long-timer, please remember to hit that subscribe button, that notify button, and go ahead and give us a review on your listening app of choice. You can find us on Facebook at True Chicago Fans. You can follow us on Twitter at True Shy Fans and on IG at True Chicago Sports Fans. And don't forget, you can support the show with a monthly subscription at anchor.fm slash true Chicago sports fans. Go on over there and click on support and you can subscribe for as low as 99 cents a month. Look, do you like the show? I do. Are you a fan? I am. Then tell your friends and they will tell their friends and we can all be friends. If you enjoy the content, ladies and gentlemen, share it with your friends, your family, your neighbors, your loved ones, your co-workers, anyone who is like-minded, who is a sports fan, who likes to hear funny shit, because we do that too. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, we got a lot, of, a lot of cool stuff coming up, so share it. it. This is the time right now that you need to be uh, letting people know about what we got going on, especially if you enjoy it. Let other people enjoy it as well. Z, what's up, man? It's been a while. How you been? It's been a while. Oh, man, it's been great, man. I, I tell you, I'm staying busy. I'm trying to not be in the house and binge, uh, you know, Dawson's Creek or nothing like that. But I'm literally trying to stay busy. Um, it's a countdown right now. It's a countdown until I turn myself in for my 10-month sentence. Oh, my God. <laughs> you know, society calls it the school year. But <laughs> it is a countdown, and uh, I think it's like the 19th or something that I got to go in. But I got time to do some stuff. So let me start with the most recent. Yesterday, uh, I know we're recording on Sunday, but I went to Saturday's White Sox game. Uh, we honored Minnie Minoso with the unveiling of his Hall of Fame plaque uh, at the U.S. Cellular, uh, U.S. Cellular, the guaranteed rate. Jesus Christ, they changed their <laughs> names just like for underwear. Um, I was able to secure one, which is awesome. I, and I showed you a little bit off air. You know, they got the plaque and you were able to secure one. So I got the little monuments now in my office uh, going. It looks pretty cool. And... They also released a limited edition bobblehead of the Cuban Comet. And uh, you know your boy had to get one. One of 1,500, I believe it is. Yeah. 
Yeah, yeah. Fifteen hundred. So I got number twelve ninety six out of fifteen hundred. Um, it, it has a little National Baseball Hall of Fame plaque on there. It's got a Cuban. It's got a, a comet rising up, and he's got his hands up, and he's uh, standing in front of uh, Cooperstown. So, yeah, I just had to get it. If you uh, didn't listen to my episode last week, go listen to that, and you'll understand why I have such an uh, affection affection for uh, Mini Minoso. Um, and you know, I just. It, it just gave me goosebumps to be there to see his family, his widow, uh, his son. Um, and, you know, the White Sox did it right by celebrating. And his, uh, you know where they put the, the pinwheels up on the back scoreboard? You know how they're like, you know, like they're electronic pinwheels? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, so they put his name, Mini, and then the middle one had the number nine. So it spelled Mini with number nine. So, like, the whole day was all about Mini, Mini trivia on the board. Everything was just amazing, man. I mean, you know, I, I don't, I don't know if every Chicago fan out there, especially Cubs fans, who don't necessarily pay attention to Chicago White Sox or the background of Chicago White Sox. You have to understand how influential this this guy, Minnie Minoso, was to not only the White Sox but MLB in general. Being a uh, a black player coming into the league, you know, at a time when when that just wasn't a thing, right? You know, um, we talk about uh, uh, the history of. of the Cubs, we talk about Jackie Robinson, we talk about all this, but Minnie Minoso was in that same class of uh, of player where they had to break some barriers, and especially with a team like the White Sox, who has such a, a great Cuban pipeline and has a, such a relationship with players from Cuba, this is a very uh, important and phenomenal uh, moment uh, in the history of the White Sox and the history of MLB in general. Yeah, I, again, I, go listen to that episode. I know usually you know we, we have episodes and you don't want to listen to old news, but me going back and talking about how influential Mini Monoso was to me, how how nice he was to me, and uh, um, I, I just became a, a fan of his uh, because I didn't know much of it. So until I met him, then I had to research everything. And then I, I just, like, every time he was in the ballpark, I had to go see him shake his hand and have a good time with him. But the White Sox celebrated him and did him right. Absolutely, I'm. I'm so. I, it's an event in the uh, on the south side that I, I would have liked to to attend, even being a Cubs fan. But I'm glad that you, as a White Sox fan and someone that actually met him in person a couple times, I'm glad that you had the opportunity to be there. Awesome, thank you, brother. Also, man, I've been busy. Uh, this past Thursday, I went went to one of those trampoline places. You know those those uh, jumperine <laughs> step. Let me just tell you, this 40-plus-year-old man should not be doing that type of shit, man. <laughs> and I know he's laughing his ass off because he knows I'm fucking sore. Listen, I, I can just imagine you jumping up and going, ow, 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 ow. Hey, you, you know, here, here, for those out there who are uh, of, of our age and our generation... Uh, I'll challenge you to go on YouTube and find uh, from the old Muppet show. It's called the Muppaphone. And I'm going to just leave it at that. If you know what it is, you know how funny and, and relevant that is to uh, to my guy Z right here. So, And if you do not, go ahead and find that on YouTube. The Muppaphone from the Muppet show back in the day. Oh, my God. Yeah. So I started off with the simple trampoline and it has a crash mat. I could not get my timing down to do a backflip. I, I, I guess I got scared. I was like, what am I doing? I'm like, I should be able to do this. And I would get to the last point where I could jump, and I would jump straight up instead of jumping out and into the crash mat. I just couldn't get it. I don't know why. I had a mental block. I know why. Why? I know why, because you're old. That's why. I don't want to give you that shit. Oh, man. Yeah, it was, it was pretty cool because there was barely any kids in there. 
Um, so I did the uh, yeah, American Gladiators where you have like the whole balance beam and you have the the big uh, um, big weighted uh, uh, thing to push somebody off. Oh um, yeah, like the big Q-tip looking. Yeah, guy. the big Q-tip the thing. Joust, yeah, the joust. Yeah, the joust. Yeah, I did that, and then you fall into the foam pit, and that that was the hardest thing really getting out of that foam pit because you just sink in because I'm 240 pounds, <laughs> and the foam is like, nope, you're not moving. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, quicksand, baby. Oh yeah, I mean, uh, they did have this cool thing. Uh, they had go karts in there, and uh, oh, okay. they had a little go kart thing inside. And uh, those motherfuckers move, man. I, I felt like I was doing like what fifteen miles an hour. It, it feels like faster because it's such a small course. But uh, uh, yeah, I got I got kicked off because I t boned somebody. <laughs> <laughs> they wouldn't let me pass and i was yeah, like man okay. i i'm like i played mario kart i'm gonna throw a banana at your ass that's right you gotta you gotta hit that rear panel to get him to spin out <laughs> that's right um lastly uh i was able to attend the wnba commissioner's cup between the chicago sky and the las vegas aces it was my first time at the wind trust arena and my first sky game i'm gonna tell you e that arena is Think about it like UIC, but more intimate, brand new, um, easy to park in there. They have a parking structure. Um, it, it's just there's not a bad seat. I think we were we were in the up, upper deck, whatever that is, like 200 something um, towards the all the way to the back. You can see everything. It was just a great atmosphere. The Chicago Sky are doing it right. Um, I was glad to see a almost full uh, uh, stadium. Uh, unfortunately, the sky, uh, you know, got started super late. When I got there, it was like 33 to 8 uh, in the first quarter. So they could not overcome that uh, first quarter. Um, they came within uh, six points, uh, I think, towards the end. But the uh, Aces end up winning the Commissioner's Cup. Um, and uh, one thing I want to mention is that the MVP uh, little trophy that they gave uh, one of the players, <laughs> that shit looked like it was a micro machine. That shit was so small. I was like, what an insult. Like, you should be able to, that should be to have some weight and it should be like as big as your head. That thing was the size of her hand. It was ridiculous. So I, I did see, uh, I saw the tiny little trophy and I also saw that the, the young the lady video? that won it. When she went, she was at home and they presented her with another box. She opened it up and it was an even smaller trophy. Yeah. Because they, they were trolling the shit out of her for that little thing. That I mean, that's look, that's, that's embarrassing. I mean, I, the, the, I think I saw a stat today that uh, um, the LeBron, his $37 million salary is more than all of the earnings of all of the uh, WNBA players combined. So, I mean, we think we know it's about marketing. It's about where the money comes from because we know that WNBA gets their money from the NBA. We understand that. But, you know, the, the disparity between the two leagues and, and the way that they get paid, I mean, it really comes down to advertisement. It comes down to who's subs uh, subsidizing the, the cost of the league and all that stuff. So, I mean, I, I get it, but, I mean, it's just it. we always talk about equal rights. We always talk about, like, what play is worth, what it is to uh, what it's worth to fans and unfortunately there are very few star athletes who are household names mm -hmm. from the WNBA and you know even even a regular sports fan a lot of times is hard pressed to name a bunch of those players yeah I mean I mean first when I think of NBA the first name back comes to mind is always Rebecca Lobo just because you know I saw yeah. her her career at Connecticut 
and then uh, moving forward into the WNBA, you get Cheryl Swoops and so forth. So those are the big names that you remember. But I can I name ten WNBA players right now? No, I just I just can't. I can um, name. Can you can you do five? Um, uh, probably not. Mm-hmm. <laughs> How can you? Uh, let, let me let me go. Um, Candace Parker. Yes, one. Sue Bird. Two. Diana Taurasi. That's three. That's probably far that I would have got. Halea Copper. Oh, yeah. That's four. She's on guy. And uh, ooh, I got the one in my head, but I can't remember her damn name. Well, you can name the one that's in prison. Oh, Brittany Grant. Yeah, Brittany Grant. Yeah. Yeah, with the assist. Yeah, oh, hey. a dime. <laughs> How was your week, brother? <laughs> hey, man. It's Look, it's been very, very busy. Uh, shout out to uh, shout out to my, ne- my nephew, Jacob, for graduating eighth grade. That's what we did last weekend. Nice. Uh, you know, we got him a really cool. I actually went over to Lids and got him a, a Bulls hat, and it was a, uh, it was like a tan bill with a uh, like a, this kind of medium blue color and uh, and the blue Bulls logo in the middle, and we got the uh, we got his initials on the side, JJ. Then he went to go play ball, and I says, "You better not sweat out that hat, boy. Go put that away." <laughs> So yeah, so we did that, and uh, then we had a couple. Of, you know, we had graduation party. We also did last week, and we went to the Chicago Dogs game over there in Rosemont mm-hmm. um, for the with our softball organization, kind of a celebration at the end of the year. Uh, we got to uh, go on the field and play catch a little bit, and that I'm gonna tell you what, that field I hate. I, I'm, I'm one of these people that I always have to have shoes on. John Claus, whether it's you know, gym shoes, whatever it is, and that field mm-hmm. is so soft. Really? I, I was like. Man, it was like walking on carpet, and I was like, "Man, I, I actually want to take off my shoes and run barefoot through this joint." But they would have kicked me out. <laughs> but it was—it was a hot. It was a hot day. It was one of them hot days where, like, uh, as soon as you get a beer, like it's hot after the first sip. <laughs> it's it like, like you turned around. You turn around from the concession. Oh shit, it's hot already. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, and there's no shade there too. And you, it was funny because even in the advertisement when uh, when they were telling the parents, "Hey, get your tickets," they're like, "Just so you know." There is very little shade here, and it, and it reminded me a lot of how hot it was in St. Louis. In St. Louis is a little bit more muggy, but it was uh, it was pretty hot. But we had a good time. Um, have, have you been out to uh, to that stadium, at Impact Field, to go see a dogs game? No, but I'm probably gonna make it a, a, a staple for me to go because I got two weeks left. Though. So I'm trying to <laughs> b- cram everything within the next two weeks of doing uh, all that stuff. You know, you know, Star Rock. I did the jump jump green. Yeah. yeah, I did a lot. So uh, I, I want to get everything done so that way I can buckle down during the uh, the uh, the ten month sentence. Well, I mean, it, it, it's, it is a good time, and it's not really expensive, you know what I mean? So, uh, you know, I'm sure we can do a, a show trip out there. Um, we also went uh, a couple nights ago, we went to go see the Athletes Unlimited Softball in Rosemont, uh, right next to Impact Field over there, and that is the uh, the league for their softball right now. It used to be um, the Chicago Bandits home field, mm. uh, but what it is now, they have a program called Athletes Unlimited, and what they do, it's very interesting. Um, so they have enough players rostered for four separate teams. And what they do is every weekend they do a tournament. They'll do a brand new draft. And uh, based on how your team performs in the, uh, in an individual inning, if you hit a home run, so things like that, um, you get points, individual points. And uh, at the end of the game, at the end of the season, uh, whatever player has the most points wins the MVP and things like that. So what it is is you got... I think it was like a, a blue team, a yellow team, orange and purple, and like blue and purple will play each other, 
uh, you know, orange and yellow will play each other, and then the next day they reverse those, and then the, the following weekend they'll just redraft those rosters all over again. Oh wow! So there's not like yeah. So and then that's and I was like, why does the indiv- individual points matter? Well, that matters because you're always on a different team, right? So that was a pretty cool, and it's a way to kind of because because if you only have four teams, you're just playing each other over and over again. This way, you can kind of mix up the rosters. You know, they cannot. You have a different dynamic between the players and things like that. So. If you haven't had a chance, and if you are a uh, a girl dad who is a is a dad or, or a mom, I mean hell, uh, who is a parent of a, of a young girl that that plays softball, definitely go check that out. Um, it's a good time. It, it's it's uh, it, very nice sight lines, um, and and you know it's not real expensive. So you know I think we paid uh, what eighteen bucks a ticket. Oh wow! And, and is it, it is it and, seated and like for two games? Oh wow! Is it seated like uh, like you have a you buy a ticket for a certain seat or is it first you, come first serve? No, no, no. Bleachers. You, you, you buy you buy a ticket for for seats. We ended up buying tickets that were closer to the uh, field, but I thought that we were right because we were right behind one of the dugouts. I thought we would have more access to see the players going in and out, mm-hmm. and, but we couldn't. So we ended up actually th- those were the more those were like the twenty five dollars seats. We actually got up from there and went a little bit higher and behind the plate. So we were literally at the highest point behind the plate. But even then, it was maybe like. 15 rows up so you can see it right there and we can literally see balls and strikes and we're yeah. telling the girls hey why hey, watch that right there you see how she moved into the left how she did that how she you know approached that stuff like that so if you have a uh a, a, a softball player in your house that has aspirations of playing uh beyond college it's really a, a cool event um we also did the uh the parents and coaches softball game last night whoa and uh yeah I, I'll tell you what, and it's a it's that 14 inch mush ball, and you know I'm coaching all year, so I'm used to that that hard ball. I, I mean, my my hits were bad. I'm I'm like batting it right into the dirt. I, I hit it at a couple of people, and even when I did, you know, actually hit a ball that should have gone somewhere, it takes me so long to get to first base. I might as well just call an Uber. <laughs> You're like an old Buick. You're like. Wow, 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 wow. Yeah. Yeah, I get about halfway down and I see the throw coming over. I'm like, all right, that's it. I'm out. <laughs> Thanks for playing. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, I think I had like two hits last night. Um, there was a couple home runs that I did not get. But, uh, you know, it, it's a good time to get out there. You know, I, it was funny because I'm out there playing like short center and I got a beer in my hand. And someone's like, put down the beer. I was like, I got another hand. It's all good. <laughs> yeah. And it was a couple It was a couple times. It was funny. I was joking to, the, uh, to one of the uh, parents that uh, is on our team. I was like, hey, if I throw my beer, you catch that, I'll catch the ball. How's that? <laughs> you gonna give them the stone cold toss? Here you go. Huh? Yeah, I did. I did chuck a couple beers because I see it, I'm sitting out there with my open beer. You know, I got, I got my my silver bullet uh, can, and I'm sitting there, and I was like, oh shit, here comes the ball. So I chucked the beer, and then like you know, it, it goes like behind me, and we had this one guy. I don't know how old he was, but he's flying all over the place, and I was like, I should have just held on to my beer because he got it behind me. I'm all good. <laughs> I didn't have it's over my head. Let it go. Yeah, absolutely. I was like, well. Uh, that's that's you. Instead of saying I got it, I got it, he says no, you got it, you got it, which is a no no when it comes to any type of uh, any type of fielded sports. And I yell at players that they do that, but uh, fucking ain't no one there to yell at me. <laughs> uh, we also did. Uh, we also kind of took my daughter to a couple of these uh, travel travel ball tryouts. Uh, she has a lot of after winning that championship, a lot of these girls that are on our team started to do uh, some travel tryouts. So we. We joined that that uh, that party, right? So we went on a couple of tryouts. Uh, 
Last weekend, we got an offer for one team, but there's another team that she really wants to be on. So we have another uh, tryout tomorrow and another one Tuesday night. And I get coaches uh, now they are hitting me up like twice a day to try to get uh, try to get a girl to try out there. So, I mean, she's she's excited about it. It's it's a lot, a lot of work. It's a lot of work. It's a lot more than our 16 game schedule that we have. So it's uh, I think through fall and uh, spring, it's like 60 games. 60. Ooh. It's a lot, and then there's tournaments, and there's some out of town stuff. So I mean, and it, and it's it is not cheap, ladies and gentlemen. It, it'll cost you a little bit of money, but there's certain things that are included. And and it, in my eyes, this is you know this is like the AAU circuit, right? Mm-hmm. You're this is the right time right now to get in and uh, see if, if she really has aspirations of really playing at a high competitive level in in high school and in college. This is the first step. Yeah, so, it definitely is. It also gives you a lot of more exposure. Exposure to different types of players, different types of teams, different strategies that happen with AAU because every AAU program has their uh, their strategy and how they run their program. Um, whether they're like, oh, you know, we're swinging, swinging, we're being aggressive, or do we run the bases? Um, are we worried more more about the defense and fielding? It, you know, every program is going to be different, and then especially when she gets to travel, um, I think that's going to be a great experience for her. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And I'm excited for her. I'm excited for, for our family, for her to be a part of this. I mean, we have a lot of uh, friends and in, 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 in the organization that we're with now, the House Ball League, that, uh, you know, that does the travel now, like I said. And, uh, we, you know, we, we, we have girls that made teams all over different suburbs and things like that. So, mm-hmm. you know, this is one organization that we actually know pretty well. So we'll be I've been in contact with the uh with the director of the program and kind of get the rundown of what goes on and stuff like that. So hopefully we can uh, get her over in that program and she's excited about that one. So like I said, you know, this is the very first step of if you're truly going to pursue this as you get older, this is the first step. So she's excited about it and, and coming off of the uh, the house ball cha- championship and the little tournament championship. I mean, she's got more confidence in her game. So, uh, you know, little things to work on here and there. But I mean, I'm excited for her and I'm excited for uh, for what her future can bring, you know. Oh, that's awesome. And then we also, uh, next week, I will not be here once again. I know you all will miss me, but I'll be up in Wisconsin. We're heading up to uh, Minaqua, uh for, for the weekend. So we'll be hanging out up there, and, you know, maybe I'll catch a fish or two, and maybe I won't. But, uh, you know, this is uh, it's been a very, very busy year for, for my family, going all over the place with all the softball, with all the, uh, you know, going out of town activities and things like that. And and I noticed that a lot of my friends are also doing the same, but I also think that's because everyone was cooped up for two years. And now we're just doing everything we would have done in the last two years and making up for it uh, uh, and then some. Who's approving all this PTO? Well, that's, that's the funny thing is that I, I so I, I had, I'm, I'm at the end of it, right? I'm, and that's all I got, right? And the funny thing is that I'm, I'm talking to the director of that program. And, and like I said, I know families that have done travel for years. And I'm like, how do these guys get all this PTO? They're always out of town. Like, mm-hmm. how does that work? Are you travel? Are you on the road during, you know, during uh, the seventh inning stretch, like over there trying to sell vacuum cleaners to a fucking housewife in Tennessee? Like, what's going on here? Are you in the stands selling popcorn just to make it? Like, I don't understand, like, how, I don't understand how this world works. So it'll be interesting. And uh, I'm pretty sure I'm going to have to get my second car up and running so we can make sure we make all these games and shit. But, uh, yeah. yeah, I mean, like I said, interesting, uh, exciting times. And uh, look, it's exciting times for a lot of people out there. And some of you might need a fresh start. So let me tell you about a great opportunity with our friends over at ACSI. 
With over 50 expert technicians in the Chicagoland area, ACSI offers a one-stop shop for telecom wiring. Whether residential cable installation, fibers to the home, or commercial structured cable wiring, ACSI is a proud partner of Comcast and Astound, powered by RCN. Fans, let me tell you the most impressive thing about ACSI. The ACSI crew did their thing during the COVID-19 pandemic, and ACSI was awarded Hasia's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. The best part is that ACSI is growing bigger and better than ever. ACSI is now hiring for field sales, technicians, and project managers. Check out acsi.tech. That's acsi.tech. Click on careers to apply today. ACSI is an equal opportunity employer. Go get you a job. Please go get a job. Listen up, ladies and gentlemen. In the next couple weeks, we're going to introduce a new format for the show. We're going to be moving the loop over to a live format. You can watch it on uh, live on Facebook, and you can watch it anytime on YouTube. This is uh, an exciting new thing that we want to present to you guys so that you can interact with us while we're talking about some of the local uh, current sports that are that the big stories that are going on with our local teams. And we really would love for you all to get more involved with the show and just interact with us while we're talking about it because this this format that we have right here you can't really do it until afterwards so by doing it this way you guys can interact with us while we do it oh yeah no i really think this is going to be some a game changer for us um because you get that interaction you get that that feedback right away instead of me waiting uh, a couple of days to go to the bar and get talked to like hey you made that good point over there but i don't agree with you because my cubs are awesome i'm like okay well you know yeah that sounds like a great statement there um but you know keep listening to the show i appreciate you brother (laughs) (laughs) you know the the thing is too is that a lot of times when we talk about the show they say hey when can i listen and i when it comes to a lot of local stories what happens is it's a couple days after it happens when people get to hear it you know if you miss an episode and you go back to listen to an old one we we were just talking earlier if you listen to like an episode from a year year ago two years ago you don't care about mitch trubisky anymore you don't want to hear about him but there you know so we what we want to do is we want to bring you some really cool uh uh topics that can last a lifetime right so we're going to be focusing more on our favorite chicago sports topic every week uh so let us know what you want to hear us talk about i mean we we have a few things talked about we we will have a whole show talking about like the 84 cubs uh the 05 white Sox, you know the championship teams we're going to talk about our favorite players player uh players that were influential to us as maybe through our career as we're trying to pursue whatever sport that we like when when we were kids Mm -hmm. or what made us fall in love with our favorite team you know so that's the kind of thing and i know you listeners out there have topics that you wish someone would cover right so just hit us up hit the dms hit us up on our email true chicago sports fans at gmail.com if you see one of us at the ball game at the bar you know walking around down in the street instead of throwing shit at us maybe <laughs> hey why don't you guys talk about this this week i would love to hear about this topic and so we're gonna do our best to bring in guests that can talk about those particular topics tell us what that meant to them what that impact had on their lives and uh you know we really hope that uh that you guys enjoy that this week 
is deal or no deal. We're going to talk about the trade deadline, and we're also going to talk about our picks for the most impactful trades for both the Cubs and the White Sox of all time, right? So this is not just recent stuff. This is all time, and this is our opinion. So if you don't like it, come at us. We want to hear from you. So we got all that, plus we got stirring the pot and what you looking at. But first, this is The Big Three with Big Z. Thanks, E-Rock. I'm Big Z, and you're not. Now for today's stories. Story number one. Um, We're going to start with a little somber one, but this is, we want to celebrate this man's life. Story number one is Bill Russell, who transformed pro basketball, has just passed away at the age of 88. He was a Hall of Famer who led the Celtics to 11 championships, and he was the single most devastating force in history of the game. This was by his coach, Red Auerbach. 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 Red Auerbach? Red Auerbach. <laughs> Auerbach. I'm enunciating. You are. Good job. Thank Good job. You. I, I, yeah. I'm taking the elite, uh, what is it? Direction. <laughs> uh, his defensive athleticism at the center changed the face of pro basketball and propelled the Boston Celtics to 11 NBA championships. The final two where he became the first black head coach in a major American sports league. He was a pioneer of the sport and well before MJ or LeBron, he was considered to be the greatest player in NBA history in a 1980 poll of basketball writers. Yeah, I mean, there's. I, I think a lot of people don't know the full story about uh, Bill Russell. Um, I've, I've been kind of going through and, and finding little nuggets here that I, I'd like to talk about about Bill Russell today. And uh, this is a, uh, some words from a statement that was released by Jesse Jackson, who worked alongside Bill Russell during the civil rights movement in the 1960s. He said, Bill Russell changed the game of professional basketball with his defense and rebounding talent. At 6'10 and 220 pounds, his quickness and jumping ability gave him a unique talent as a shot blocker and as a rebounder that triggered Boston's fast break. Bill Bradley, a New York Knicks opponent and a Rhodes Scholar himself, called Russell the smartest and greatest team player in the NBA. He didn't have much of an offensive game scoring in and around the basket with short hook shots, but he did end up with 14,522 points and a 15.1 points per game average, but it was his defense and rebounding 51 rebounds in one game that set Bill Russell apart from other players. He finished his career second to Will Chamberlain in rebounding with 21,000 620 rebounds which is an average of 200 uh, i'm sorry 22.5 rebounds a game he won an olympic gold medal and was selected to nba's all-star team 12 times in his 13-year career and was elected to nba's hall of fame he was the first black coach of an american professional team and won two nba championships as a player coach President Barack Obama awarded him the Presidential Medal of Freedom in 2011, which is the nation's highest civilian award. Here's his reaction to winning the award. I'm really quite flattered and that uh, I hope that this is a manifestation of the fact that I tried to live a good life and tried to actually try to contribute to the society. 
the reason I conducted my life the way I did, it was almost like a family business. It's my family tradition to share our lives with our friends and neighbors. And that's the way I've tried to conduct my life. My father always said, uh, I don't know what you're gonna do when you grow up. But don't do it if you can't do it right. And so, be the best you can at whatever you do. If they're a parent, be kind to the children so that the children will grow up knowing what kindness feels like. And they'll be more apt to continue with it. And uh, that is, to me, one of the great expressions of love for country, for family, country, and the world. That was Bill Russell. Yeah, I mean, I mean like, there's, there's, a lot of poignant messages that he's that a big poignant message that he's relaying to people i mean like it, it, when i talk about bill russell and, and a lot of people like i said they don't might not know about his uh his involvement in the civil rights movement i mean he stood by muhammad ali when he rested uh, when he resisted being indu uh, inducted into the vietnam war and he fought racism in boston which is widely known i mean we still hear players to this day uh, it, uh, that play for the Celtics talk about you know how racist that town is. Um, he was in the front room of Dr. King's August uh, 28th, 1963 speech. He went to Mississippi after Medgar Evans was murdered and he fought racism wherever he found it in a variety of ways. He also became an NBA broadcaster providing color commentary for the games and he always presented himself as his own man, dignified and defiant of racism wherever he found it. His outstanding life, not just his NBA career, made Bill Russell such an icon among American sports heroes. As, in all, as is often said at the grassroots, they don't make them like that anymore. They sure don't make them like that. Every time this man spoke, it's, it's with class. And he, when he spoke, everyone listened. And um, obviously, you, you can see from what we're taught, we, we just mentioned, the man lived and also gave and he gave a lot um to be the head coach of the boston celtics and like you said it being uh a somewhat of a racist town um you you hear that from mlb players you hear from nba players you hear from nfl players and it doesn't change so i mean can you imagine living or not living well going to a game where it is predominantly white fans uh, showing up and you're you're the first black coach of any organization can you imagine the shit they were saying to him i mean you know what this it, it, the first thing that i think of is jackie robinson and and I, funny enough i was just discussing uh the movie 42 with someone there says have you ever seen that i said i've, I've seen it about 10 times and um you know i i mean I, I talk about the the fact that I'm I'm technically half black, right? I mean, my dad is Jamaican. He's he's not very dark skinned, but he is he is black. Mm -hmm. 
And I don't, I, I'm, I, anyone that sees me, they're like, that's a Hispanic guy. I mean, just ask Mikey L, right? Yeah, you're Puerto Rican. And uh, I'm Puerto Rican, right? And, and which is fine. I mean, like, you know, still black. You, 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 you identify how you identify, right? I mean, yeah. like, you, you fit in with whatever culture you fit in with. And, and, and I understand that. And, and I, and I haven't experienced racism in the, in the way that a lot of black men my same age and my same age group have experienced. But I, I've definitely, you know, as someone who does have some melanin in their skin, understand what it's like to have someone who might be uh, not as not quite as dark as I am have a little bit of uh, hatred or or funny looks coming your way, right? And, and I understand that, and it's important to have people like this that have experienced what it was like during the civil rights movement explain to a younger generation what that was what it was like to be there, what it was like to march with Dr. King, what it was like to be a part of the crowd that heard Malcolm X give his speeches. It's just, it's important. And, you know, we're in an age of uh, outrage and cancel culture. And we're at that point where it's, it's almost gone too far to a certain extent to where people seem to get upset about almost everything. And I think we need to dial that bit back a bit because what's happening is that we're not taking the really important issues as seriously as we should because people are just pushing back. Oh, it's just cancel culture. And when it's really could be a significant thing. And the shame of it all is that you have incidents like like what happened with uh, Jesse Smollett that actually push back on that and give those who say it's a false narrative. It gives them a, a real narrative to say this is bullshit it doesn't happen to, in this day and age and we both know that's not true yeah i mean if if you've been paying attention to the world you know that racism is is alive and, and thriving right now because uh it's it's well out there and people are not afraid to hide that anymore um it's just it, it's wild because like i agree with you like you know you have the cancel culture and in a way like we do gotta dial it back we definitely do just because your feelings are hurt doesn't mean you, you should, you know, you should go and cancel uh, whatever the issue is. Like, oh, my fries are cold. So I'm going to go yell at the, the worker who's been working a 12 hour shift getting paid minimum wage. You know what? All you got to do is say, hey, my fries are cold. Can I get another one? You don't have to put it on social media and be a dickhead about it just because you need attention because you need likes because you want that 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 notoriety. Fuck you and your fries. I can't stand that. You know, you, you know, you know what it is is that you know, like I said, it, it, there's there's a lot of fake activism going on right now, um, and and the thing is, is like people just don't people just want to be heard, and I get it because we just like just like everyone else, we're over here on a platform. We want to be heard. We want people to understand where we're coming from, but we also just want to come on this show and and mess around and talk about sports and make you laugh, right? But when it comes to something like this, and especially when it comes to an iconic uh, figure such as Bill Russell, someone who's part of that movement, someone who fought racism every chance he got, I mean, it's important to recognize what he meant to people, what he meant to that culture, what he meant to that movement. And I don't think he gets recognized as much uh, for that anymore. And I, and I also think that, you know, when we go down the line, when you look at guys like Colin Kaepernick, where at the time he was ostracized for what he was doing, but now everyone's like, well, maybe he was right. Well, yeah, maybe he was right. We're still, we still see it day to day. So I think really the, the point that I would like to get across when I'm, when I'm talking about this particular topic is be mindful 
of what you're seeing, what you're saying, what you're doing. Put it into context, what you're what you're observing, and understand that it's not always a bad thing that you're seeing. You understand where it comes from, understand the context, and and you know it, it's very easy in, in the day and age of the internet where we're just sitting there throwing around Karen and and and, and, and you know as as a slang term or whatever it was. You know the whole thing with Josh Donaldson calling Tim Anderson Jackie. That's a, that's a very prime example of what I'm talking about. But I just I don't want everyone to sit there and close their eyes and close their minds and close their heart to the fact that it's still alive and well, despite the fact that there is some some falsehoods out there about what the narrative really is. Yeah, uh, that's a perfect example. And another good example is what I've shown um, the, the movie We Are the Titans in class. And I show it, and then you have the uh, the coach from whatever team that is that's playing Denzel Washington's team, and uh, he hands him a banana. Or it was a banana. Yeah, right, right. And you, and the reaction on my students' faces is priceless because they're like, "Oh hell no!" You know, they're like, "I would have done this and that." And I'm like, "Okay, but what are the repercussions of having a, re- a that drastic of a reaction? Put yourself in his situation at that point of time, in that point of history. Right. You, you, he would have. Re- if you would have reacted, you would have been in the wrong." It is just, it's just a, it's a different culture. It's a different time, and it was completely wrong. I, I'm not saying it was right, but the way if you would have reacted, you would have been seen as the savage, as the animal, the one that can't control their emotions. Oh, it's just a joke. No, motherfucker, it's racism. Yep. Yeah, and, and I mean, you know, it, it, it's 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 just hard to to I, I feel like once Barack Obama became president of the United States people are like well racism over it does no it doesn't work that way Mm-mm. it doesn't work that way it it never will and uh you know just look what we always talk the 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 thing that we say at the end of every show is to take care of each other love each other right mm-hmm. for the love of sports whatever it is that's what we that's that's what we call it right for love of sports so that understand and that's why to me that's another reason why sports are so important because you have such a mix of cultures of of class of of races mm-hmm. backgrounds of religion just be respectful that's yeah. how we ask yeah. let, 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 let's let's talk about some more uh more funny man i, I know you got more stories for me. <laughs> story number two let's uh, liven this thing up a giant snake nearly killed a man a 28 year old resident of Foggersville. Sure, we'll go with that. Foglesville? Foglesville? Eh, whatever. Of Lay Valley, Pennsylvania. Wait, was Lehigh. Lehigh? Oh, my God. Well, I don't know. It's Pennsylvania. Lehigh. You never heard of Lehigh? No, I don't get high. The, the Lehigh Valley Iron Pigs? That's a baseball team. Yeah, I don't know that team. Yeah, minor league baseball. Oh, well, good for them. <laughs> um, <laughs> this man was pulled from the snake's grass after... After the gunfire and and rushed to a nearby hospital, when patrol officers arrived on scene, they observed a 28-year-old male who was unresponsive and lying on the floor of the home, with a mid portion of the large snake wrapped around his neck. This is according to the police. Due to the massive size of the reptile, estimated to be about over 15 feet, one of the officers was able to shoot the snake in the head without risking further injury to the male. Once the snake was Injured from the gutshot wound, the officers were able to pull the man to safety. This is wild, man. And this is the guy's own snake. <laughs> I mean, yeah, what, what, I wonder what his pickup line for females was like, hey, 
You want to come home with me? I got, I got a big, snake? I, yeah, I got a 15 foot snake. <laughs> this is like, uh, this is like straight out of the Jungle Book, right? This is like what she was a Shere Khan. Uh, remember when he sat there and uh, and he had the hypnotized? I trust in me, like creepy ass <laughs> snake. Who the hell? First of all, I mean, it's got to be what a boa constrictor, right? One of them big bastards, the, the yeah. big old girthy suckers. Right? Why? Why would you let that that big monster in your house? I, he had it. Pissed him off enough. He had it. He had it as, as you know, as a pet. At, he had it his entire life, and uh, it started. It just overgrew. You know, it just they didn't have anywhere to put it. So I'm guessing it was just like crawling around all the time because there's no really enclosure for a 15 foot snake. Well, they don't got feet, so they can't crawl. First of all, second of a all, slither. you know what this reminds me of <laughs> slither. Um, <laughs> Uh, this you know what this reminds me of is the them stories about uh, alligators living in the sewers of New York because someone had one as a pet and they flushed it down when it got too big. Yeah, and I'm like, you know what I mean, and 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 or the stories of like you know a man in Australia sat in a toilet and got his bum bitten by a snake. We're like, what the hell? I was like, yeah, I was sitting there playing my didgeridoo, and I said, like, wait a minute, that's a personal <laughs> thing. <laughs> is that what they call it down under didgeridoo? All the way. <laughs> Better than a skin flute. Ooh. <laughs> That's that's music to someone's ears. <laughs> Story number three, and this is a follow up to last week uh, because it got such a good reaction from uh, everyone I posted on social media. Like everyone was like, "Hey man, this is not true, right?" And I'm like, "Yeah, it's true." Sorrow in Chaco Taco Town after summer heat summer treat is discontinued. Um, yeah, the Chaco Taco has been discontinued, ladies and gentlemen, and even a tech millionaire offered to buy it. A U.S. senator suggested that the government should force manufacturers to make it. <laughs> I want my Chaco Taco, damn it. Um, but so far, Klond- uh, Klondike uh, isn't budging from his plan to discontinue the Chaco Taco. Uh, they confirmed this past uh, Tuesday that the summer treat is being pulled from the ice cream trucks, convenience stores, and grocery shops. So if, if you find it out there, stock up and stock up and let me know because I'll go buy some. I'll tell you what, though, I, I had no idea that it was actually available outside of Taco Bell because that's when I remember it first being available. It was their whole like, oh, this is our this is our dessert back when uh, back when Burger King had like the uh, the, the, the Hershey's chocolate pies and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Um, but, yeah, I mean, look, it, it, I, I'm willing to bet. And I've heard this from a few people that talked about when the uh, when Hostess was talking about uh, no Twinkies. longer making Twinkies. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, there was such a high demand. And even in. Uh, what was that damn movie? Uh, uh, Zombieland, when that when mm. you had uh, Woody Harrelson looking for the Twinkies, you know. Um, but it was is it a marketing ploy so they can bring them back in three or four months? Uh, well, uh, yeah, it's got it's got to be. It's you a know. huge company. They're a huge right. company. The, I don't, and and I don't think I've seen any reason why they would discontinue the product. I mean, it sounds like right now what's happening is it's getting a lot of buzz. It, the sales might have been down for for the Chaco Taco, mm-hmm. uh, and it sounds like this is something that uh, that they're just trying to do to get people interested in it again. It's trying to bring back that nostalgia from the early Taco Bell days and, and have people go run out and buy them. Are you a Chaco Taco guy? I, I couldn't tell you the last time I had one, and that's probably why they're doing it. You know, I, I mean, but, but I, I'll tell you what, though. I'm sure that there is a lot of uh, folks out there that's the only kind of taco they've ever had. <laughs> wow. Take all the context you want in that one. Wow. That is a loaded one, ladies and gentlemen. Ooh, yeah, that's a loaded Choco Taco, baby. <laughs> oh, no. You don't want a loaded Choco Taco. <laughs> oh, my God. 
Taco? Price check on Vagiclean, aisle five. That's Vagiclean. We got a customer down here with a full-on fallopian fungus. She's baking a loaf of bread, and I think it's sourdough. I always know that I made a funny when Z get bust out that high pit. <laughs> <laughs> because I can picture this shit. Oh, man. Little cheese on that taco, huh? <laughs> oh, man. I'm Big Z, and that's news to me. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. We all know that 2020 was no joke, and with an ever-changing world climate, many people are looking for a new opportunity. Guys, are you looking for a career that rewards effort and makes you feel valued as a team member? Let me tell you a little about our friends at ACSI. ACSI is a certified RCN business agent. They provide the same RCN services with a personalized touch. Their sales and technician teams work hand-in-hand, -hand, ensuring your experience will be smooth and pleasant. Gone are the days of being transferred from one person to the next. At ACSI, they handle everything from start to finish. It's never been so easy to get internet service. ACSI is a growing Chicagoland company that encourages personal growth and rewards perseverance. As they expand, they're looking for passionate, responsible, and honest professionals to join their team. A career with ACSI means you'll be part of a hardworking, flexible, and dynamic team that is a leader in the installation of cable and internet services in the Chicagoland area. Best of all, ACSI was awarded Hacia's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. Are you ready to grow with a local Chicago company on the rise? Check out acsi.tech and click on careers to get started. That's acsi.tech and click on careers. Welcome back to the TCSF podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Oh, yeah. This is the bottom line. And that's the bottom line. This week's topic is the trade deadline. So, E, the question is, deal or no deal? I mean, it depends on, on what players we're talking about, right? Because, I mean, so far, this trade market on both sides of town has been very stagnant. We have not seen any, like, very much moves at all. Uh, so far, the only thing we've seen is reliever Chris Martin, not of Coldplay. Uh, he got shipped off to the Dodgers for utility man Zach McKinstry. Uh, McKinstry is a 2016 33rd round pick, so you know he's a winner. Uh, he debuted in 2020. He got off to a hot start last season before a right oblique strain landed him on the IL. Uh, before that, he had a line of 296, 328, and uh, 556 in 17 games in April. He finished 2021 with a 215, 263, 405 slash line at 60 games and only received 14 plate appearances in 10 games with the Dodgers this season. You are a Dodgers fan. What can you tell me about this guy? I'm going to tell you that uh, he's not good. <laughs> not good at all. 210, 263. Sounds like a White Sox player right now. That's what that looks like. <laughs> I mean, from from what I've seen, this is kind of a, a guy that's a utility player. I mean, he hasn't been in the league that long. He's a guy that they can kind of move around. Uh, I mean, 2016, so he's been, he, he only deb debuted two years ago. But, I mean, like, you know, it, this is just a utility guy. They had to get something for uh, for the Coldplay singer. And, uh, 
you know, it, like I said, it's a minor trade. It looks like the the Dodgers are trying to, you know, stack up some some bullpen arms, but there's not really there's just there's no movement, man. It's crazy because I mean we're sitting here today on on the 31st of July, and we're still waiting for the other shoe to drop on the biggest trade chip the Cubs have, which is which of course is Wilson Contreras and well also Ian Happ since he made the you know the All Star team. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of teams that we've heard that are interested in Happ. We've even heard about the uh, the potential trade of of Contreras and Happ together going over to the Mets, and uh, you know th- there's this, the trade talks have kind of stalled out um, because the Cubs are going to want a big haul back, and it would also more than likely include the Mets' uh, big catching prospect, which is. Francisco Alvarez, who I've been stashing on my bench in my fantasy uh, uh, baseball league for for a while now, because that's what you do with these prospects. But I mean, like, if they did manage to bring back Alvarez in a trade, what that would more more than likely do is put a kibosh on the Cubs potentially bring back Contreras as a free agent, which is what I've talked about, what a lot of other uh, Cubs fans have talked about. You know, we, we talked about it with Rizzo and KB and all this stuff when they get traded uh, after last year. Potentially, hey, you can always bring him back in the offseason. Well, if they bring back a catcher who they feel like is, is MLB ready, they're not going to bring back Contreras. He's going to find his way through through the major leagues. He's going to find a team that hopefully he can latch on to try to win another title because his first title here was when he was young. He was not the primary catcher. Right. and But he, he was here young. And he played, he's been here with the Cubs for, what, 14 seasons since he was 17 years old. So, look, there, there's a lot of rumors out there about Contreras. I'm kind of surprised that there hasn't been a trigger pull yet. And what we're also hearing is that they're also uh, he's also been linked to possibly going over to San Diego uh, to play for the Pirates. And that would take a big haul as well. But here's the big thing is that with Juan Soto rejecting that gigantic offer from the Nationals. Now, to be fair, it was like 14 or 15 years, so I get it. He's only 24. But because he rejected that trade, now he's the biggest name on the trade market, right? So, I mean, that's that's the problem right there is because before Juan Soto became available, quote-unquote, Contreras was a big chip. The Mets have been in on him, but, you know, like I said, the the price is very high. Mm But the Padres, the Astros, and the Tampa Bay Rays are also uh, teams that would be a good fit for him. So, yeah, a good thing that you uh, caught yourself there because you did say San Diego Pirates. And I was like, whoa, oh, uh, good thing they moved because Pirates suck in Pittsburgh. Um, the Padres uh, the Padres have always been this, this team that stacks up a bunch of talent and then never does anything with it. And then they sell everything off. So I don't expect the Padres to be any, any threat to the Dodgers um, out there. Uh, the Astros um, have had lost a series to the uh, Athletics. Um, they need a little bit of, of a boost. Um, and you get a, a battery of Wilson Contreras and the pitchers that they have, that, that, that looks, that's going to be unstoppable for the American League. Um, and that's probably, probably what the uh, the Yankees and the Mets are trying to uh, get um, get for him, you know, trying to get him. Uh, to be the, the the guy in the back that that solidifies that bullpen and the, and the pitching staff, the Rays. I don't. I see the Rays making that type of move because they got a, a Nelson Cruz last year at the trade deadline. I see them doing it, but just as a um, 
just for the push because they i don't think they'll re-sign him i think the astros or the the mets would be a team that would resign him and i think even the yankees because you know the yankees have an open checkbook they don't really care they're like you're a good player we'll buy it no way we don't care because you know they have Aaron judge also to deal with next year so i really think that the mets would be the preferred uh destination for wilson yeah i, I mean the, the thing is with with Contreras, i mean there there's the biggest thing we've heard is that a lot of teams were worried about how he would click with their with their pitching staff if he would have to play another position if he went over there and i mean you look it, the funny thing is is that if he ended up going over to the to the padres i mean to go and reunite with you darvish they already had victor caratini who they they got over from the cubs and then that was supposed to be you darvish's personal catcher and they ended up trading him over to the milwaukee brewers and you know Contreras, honestly like I, I feel like he would make any team better unless you're talking about a team that already has an all-star catcher but there's not really many of them out there right now and to me Contreras is one of the best catchers in if not the best catcher in all of baseball so any team right right now would be lucky to have him I think he honestly with the way that he plays the game I think he could probably handle any pitching staff but I think the concern is is that he might rub people the wrong way with the way that he reacts to things the way that his attitude is but again that's what i love the most about him i will argue this to the day that i die he is the cubs version of yadier melina i still think that he has value to the team um because i'm not sure what kind of hole that they're going to be able to get back for him and i'm wondering if they don't end up trading him which i just honestly at this point i do not know if he's going to be on the move or not i almost see a, a move of ian hat being more likely just because you're not necessarily going to get back what you want from uh, a trade of wilson Contreras. so if they don't ending up end up trading him i would be very surprised if they don't do whatever they can to find a way to extend him. Yeah, you can't lose him for nothing. No, no, definitely, and that's always been like a, a thing, a theme with Chicago teams that they um, overvalue their players or overvalue their prospects. This time, this guy lives up to the hype. He's actually a really good person. He's actually a really good baseball player. Um, he cements your your pitching staff. Um, he's a great uh, pickoff artist. He, he'll get you off at first or third, and at second. But you know, you know, getting people out at first and third when they're slipping, he's he's a master at that. So why wouldn't you want him on the team? Because he's because he's a little uh, uh, I don't want to say arrogant, but I'm saying he he knows what he's doing. He's he's proud of his his, his accomplishments, and he's he's one of those guys that's like, okay, I, I came here to do the work. Why ain't you doing the work? I don't even think it's that. I, he, 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 I don't think he's arrogant at all. I think he's he's fiery. Like he's he's excited to come to the ballpark every day, play baseball. I think every day that he wakes up and he realizes that I'm a major league baseball player. I get to come out here and play the game that I love, a, a kid's game, every single day. Right. I mean, I, I think there's a lot of guys out there that, that really take that for granted. They forget the days of Little League where, you know, Billy over there kind of sucks, but he just loves here being here every day. And you, and you even see that now. I mean, you know, I'm, I'm around the, 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 the Little League world, if you want to put it that way. And you see sometimes you get these kids that are cocky. Oh, I can do whatever. I'm saying, okay, talk to me in 10 years. Talk to me where you are in 10 years, because if you get cocky you're not going to put in the hard work right that's mm -hmm. the biggest thing I, I almost prefer a player that that understands that they're not a perfect player because they understand that you have to put in the work it's the whole thing when you look at a guy like michael jordan when someone spite when his high school coach cut him he had spite in his heart 
So he went out there and he worked harder. He worked harder. He worked harder. And sometimes, even when you think you're good, you need to be knocked down a few pegs. Mm -hmm. I don't think Contreras has that in him. I don't think he's sitting there thinking he's the best player. He's this. He's that. I think that he's just a fiery guy that gets up every day and is excited to show up at the ballpark and play baseball every single day. I I, I don't think that he is. I'm saying that's the perception of him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the perception. So I'm gonna I'm gonna give you five catchers in MLB. JT Ramuto, Alejandro Kirk, Sean Murphy, Will Smith, and Wilson Contreras. Those are your top five catchers in that order. Wilson's number five. I mean, based on what? Um, you know, it is based on war. Wins above, okay. wins above replacements. I mean, we're also talking about is that for this season? Yes, sir. Okay. So, I mean, you know, Will Smith, we know for the Dodgers, a very good player. I mean, you know, any here's the thing. When you when you play for the L.A. Dodgers at, at this day and age, at almost every player that they put on that team is just a winner. They they work hard. They train hard. They do well. Um, they, they got a couple players that can be perceived as cocky as well. But, I mean, oh, they've yeah. done a very good job of establishing themselves as the Yankees of the, the West Coast, right? Mm -hmm. They make sure that they always have players available they make sure that they're contenders every year no matter how how many times uh, uh the rockies want to add guys unexplicably like uh um, bryant you know it, they the giants have come up and nipping on their heels now and then but i mean you know they're the giants are not doing that well right now either i mean they're at the point where they're listening for uh, they're listening to offers for guys like your boy carlos rodon mm -hmm. and uh and jock peterson who, who came off a world series with the braves last year because they can't catch up to the dodgers so everyone's just chasing the dodgers around so i mean i, I get i get the love for will smith just because he's a very good player um the kid that that came up for baltimore i think his last name is rushman or rutchman he was supposed to be a good player and they ended up sending him back down because he's not quite ready for the major leagues okay and then and then the kid uh kirk i mean the little chubby guy i mean he's he came out he's been on fire and, and look, he, he's he's got that prototypical catcher body, little short guy, close to the ground, and he's just tearing it up right now. But unfortunately, he's on a team, uh, uh, he's on he's on a team that's not going to be able to contend with what the Yankees are doing right now. So at the at the very best, the, the Jays would be lucky to make uh, uh, second a second wild card. card. Yeah, don't you know make I mean? the second one. You know, I mean, and, and that's where it is. So I mean, like when you look up and down, I mean, you're talking about five best catchers in, in major leagues right now. Rio Muto is a guy that the Cubs were talking about going after years ago. And I, I want to say, what, he's on the Phillies now? I don't know if he's yeah, still there. That's he's the on the Phillies. Song. Yeah, so, and I want to say he came from uh, from Tampa or Miami. I think he came from Miami. I think it was Miami. So, I mean, you, you're talking about... It, it's not real real often that you talk about like great catchers and, and a lot of times when they talk about catchers whatever you get whatever offensive output you get out of the catcher is a bonus but I mean when you look at the fact that he's one of the best catchers when it comes to the way that he deals with the with the pitching staff the way that he is behind the plate as far as like you know throwing player uh, throwing runners out at second I mean when you watched him and Baez play together and play oh off of each other. It Magic. Was a beautiful thing. It was a beautiful thing. It's one thing that I'll miss the most about those two players playing together. But I mean like I, I honestly I still think that any any team would be lucky to have them because even now when you look at what the Cubs would have left if he were to, to be traded, you're looking at Jan Gomes and you're looking at looking at PJ what Higgins I think is last yep. name. And even right now, I mean the Cubs catching staff is very good. I mean, Jan Gomes is probably the best backup catcher he could start in a lot of teams. 
And so the Cubs are in a good position to be able to let Contreras go for this season. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I, I still think any team would be lucky to have him. Any team that's looking for that boost in the long run and wants to make a run will need a guy like Contreras. Where do you think he ends up? What team? I think I think the Mets would probably be more more likely a, a team that, that would pick him up. I mean... You know, we, we saw the, the Mets right now. Uh, I, I mean, I don't know if they're still the best team in the National League right now, but I mean, like, that is definitely a, a, you could be looking at a Subway Series and a World Series if they get Wilson Contreras. And they're not getting past my Dodgers. Come on. I'm just saying. I'm just saying. If you add a player of that caliber to your t- team and you're playing the way that they're playing right now, I mean that's going to be a hell of a playoffs because I mean the Mets the Mets are a team that catches fire every like seven years right I mean last time when we we they were They're trying like to us to go to the World Series that you know they they couldn't quite get it over the hump and uh, you know the Cubs were able to get through uh, what the Giants and, and um, who else I mean you know they played the Braves I think you know they they managed to get through that and they I think they played uh, they played the Mets too during that run so. I mean, it, it would be interesting to see that, that uh, what, year 2000 World Series be repeated. But I don't know, man. Look, the, the, when you look at what the Cubs are doing right now, there's a couple of players that I think the White Sox are, could be interested in as well, just like were at the end of uh, at the trade deadline last year when they went after Kimbrel. We talk about guys like David Robinson and, uh, and Michael Givens. Yeah, well... David Robinson, we had David Robinson, so we know exactly what he is, and he's been actually a very dominant pitcher for you guys um, on the Cubs. Michael Givens, I don't know that much about. I've only seen him, you know, here and there because I don't get to watch every Cub game like I watch my socks. But um, if I, if I, I'm pretty sure if I pull this stuff up, he's probably under ERA of, of uh, under four uh, in his in his outings. So those are bullpen arms that you know the White Sox are considering. But here's the thing: every time you hear a name linked to the White Sox. They get up. They end up getting traded somewhere else. Like the, they were after Diamondbacks uh, Peralta, and he got uh, dealt to the Rays. You know, um, I talked about uh, Benintendi, and they ended up going to the Yankees. You know, Benintendi fixed a lot of the problems that we needed. Uh, we needed a contact hitter, a guy only hitting over 300, a left-handed bat, and a guy that can cover uh, right field. He covered all those. He checked off all the boxes. And the White Sox, I don't know. I don't know if they were in the conversation. I don't know if they uh, got shut down or the package wasn't enough. I don't know, but uh, that would have solved a lot of problems because we literally have had a, a hole, a black hole in right field forever. I mean, I don't think A.J. Pollock is is the real deal. I think he's a very streaky player, um, and I, 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 I'm done with streaky players. I'm done with projects. I'm done with guys can only play one side of the ball. Like, you know, like you, your angles always hurt, so you never get to see him flourish at the bat, but you know his defense is good. And then, you know, you got Vaughn and, and, and Sheets. And Sheets, Sheets get the ball to the moon, but he can't play d- defense well. So it's always half with the White Sox. And it's so frustrating because you have the same type of players that either are going to DH, they'll play right field, or they'll play first base. That's all they can do. And, and it's it's so frustrating. Um, See, but and, then, and that's the thing is that your, your team has offensive talent that they should be, be able to utilize and go ahead and win a lot more games than they, than they have because oh, they're yeah. losing close games. You got Garcia over there who just has a brain fart all the time. I mean, like, I don't know what the hell he's doing getting picked off. At third, games, yeah. Insane. But, I mean, like, you that's the thing is that you have the offensive talent and you're trying to fill in spots in your bullpen because you've been decimated with injury, with losing uh, – um, 
uh, crochet that would would have been so important for you guys right now. Right. But I mean, a guy a guy like Givens, I mean, like he he's having a very good year right now. He's got a two sixty six ERA. He is six and two on the season, and uh, I mean, his ERA for his career is three thirty four. So he's been playing yeah. pretty well. He's been shutting guys down, and I mean, he's used to the AL because he played in Baltimore for like five years at the start of his career. So he's used to the way that the AL plays. He's seen a lot of these guys that are still floating around the AL, and I think he would be a very good uh, addition to your team, and I don't think you'd have to give up a lot for him because he's 32 years old. Yeah, and you know, we're going to make trades for that push, what we're talking about, right? Because I think Dave Robinson's done at the end of this year. I don't. What's Michael's Givens uh, contract situation? Is he done after this year as well? I think he has. It's either one or uh, I think he might have one more year after this. Okay, so you're, you're not paying a heavy price for that. You're probably sending, you know, Class A projects, um, prospects over, maybe a Double A prospect over, um, to get those bullpen arms for that that short push because uh, Lopez out, uh, Ronaldo Lopez, uh, with a back strain, so he's out, you know, 10, 15 days. Um, we know that Joe Kelly's been, you know, on a roller coaster. Uh, you got, uh, you know. Did you see Kygo got DFA'd again? <laughs> I, uh, it's, that's insane. <laughs> well, and the I Astros mean, picked him up. Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, he, he's he's done. I, I don't think I don't see him coming uh, again. Uh, I, uh, he's like Arietta, right? Yeah, yeah. Big guy, big beard. Uh, won a World Series, can't do shit anymore. Anyway, yeah, anyway, he's done. Um, so yeah, Givens Givens has a one year contract. Yet they have a mutual option for uh, for next year. Yeah. Okay. There you go. I mean, so, I mean that's that's a perfect kind of guy. I mean, because you're not going to have to pay him a ton. Again, he's 32 years old. Um, you're not going to have to pay him a lot of money, and he could fill in a spot that you desperately need. Yeah, I mean, this is similar to last year, and you know, when we picked up uh, Krim, uh, Kimbrough and uh, uh, Tapera. I wanted them to re-sign Tapera. Tapera was fucking amazing for us. Um, but you know how relievers are. They're good one year and not good the next year. Uh, Kimbrough's doing great in L.A. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's when you look at the Braves and you look at... Uh, 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 LA right now it's funny because they kind of switched a couple players up with Freddie Freeman going over to the Dodgers despite the fact that he had no idea that the Braves actually gave him offered him a contract when, when his, uh, his agent, agent yeah. said no 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 they didn't and that was a whole whole debacle there but I mean like uh, yeah they 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 swapped closers at this at this point right now and it's kind of uh, kind of funny how that worked out but. You know, look, Kimbrough is a guy that we saw him have highlights here on the north side. He goes over to the south side. He doesn't do that well. Everyone's like, oh, he's a bum again. And, and he just kind of goes through these cycles where he's good and then he chokes up. But, I mean, it's you know, he's just a super streaky guy. And there's a lot of players like that. But let, let me ask you a question. Like, yes, sir. You know, we talked about Rodon. Mm-hmm. Is this a guy you want to bring back to the White? I mean, if, how wild would it be if they brought him back? Not wild enough because I never had, had that uh, confidence in Kopech. Uh, uh, or you know the crotch rocket to be starters. And I'm like they're not ready yet. Yeah. I, I think the way they throw, uh, they're not consistently throwing strikes, and they really don't have secondary pitches that they can really depend on. And Carlos Rodon was a, a, a commodity that was proven. Yeah, he got paid. Well, that's what happens with baseball. It's, it's based on your past performance. So again, He's he's a good pitcher. I would love to have him back. I don't know what the, it would take to get him back because he does have an opt out this year. And then there's all uh, rumors from John Heyman. You know, take that with a grain of salt. You know, it's Rodon and Jock Peterson. I'm just saying because Ozzy wants to wants to whoop his ass. Um, Rodon and Jock Peterson are candidates for the uh, the Giants who are might be selling because they're it looks like they're 12 games back or something like that. It's something ridiculous. Nine games back or something. So I mean. 
the White Sox have had a hard on for Peterson for fucking five, six years at this point. He's great in the playoffs. He does that small sample size where he can get hot and he'll carry your team. He did that for, for the Dodgers, winning a championship. Then he went over there to, to Atlanta, won a championship. So can he do that? I mean, he's got 14 home runs and something like 54 RBIs or something like that. Off the top, top, top of my head that I can remember. But he would be leading the White Sox in home runs if he came right now, which is sad. Look, I, <laughs> that is a sad note there, sir. It is. I mean, and, and you know, uh, you guys out there know that, yes, I'm a Cubs fan, but I've been, I've been rooting silently but rooting for the white Sox to do well because it's exciting when there is good baseball in chicago mm. it's important for mlb for to, to have baseball be good in chicago because we have one of the most rabid fan bases in all of major league baseball yes the dodgers won the world series but they're 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 uh you know a couple years ago but you don't see their fans getting as excited even atlanta i mean like they don't get excited the way that like the the Cubs fans and the Sox fans get excited for baseball. So, I mean, yeah, I mean, San Francisco is sitting here. They're, they're game below 500. I mean, they're not, they, they have no shot. Even in the wild card, they're four and a half games back. So, I mean, Atlanta is probably going to take that wild card because of how good the, the, the Mets are doing right now. I mean, the Mets right now are 64 and 37. Yeah. Dodgers are 33. So, I mean, you're looking at some very good teams with very good winning percentages. They're not going to be, you know, they're not going to fall down anytime soon. And, and I don't think any of these teams are going to collapse. I think a, a kind of a disappointment when you look up and down is, is probably Philadelphia with the players that they added. Um, they're 55 and 47 right now. So, I mean, that is a that's an interesting team right there because they're kind of they're not going to add anyone and they're kind of floating around there. And you look at a, a team like San Diego who's, who's trailing uh, uh, the Dodgers by like nine games. So uh, yeah, they're, they're they're sitting there and they're still trying to fight for a wild card with all the all the players that they've added on that team. So it'll be interesting to see what's going to happen with this with this trade deadline market because you know we're getting real close here and uh, you know we got to see what's going to happen with the White Sox if they're going to be buyers if they're going to actually make some aggressive moves because like you said that attendee didn't come over. There are players out there that I think White Sox fans were hoping were going to come over to the South Side and they did not. So, you know, I, I don't know. I mean, like, do you, is Peterson a guy you would like on the White Sox? Um, you know what? I think he's a better option than Angle. He's a better option than Larry. I think fielding. Let me tell you something. I'm a better option than Larry. Whoa. Those hips lie. <laughs> I'm telling you right now. I'm telling you right now. He, he's frustrating, man. And I don't, even want, I don't even pay attention to him. He's just frustrating. Yeah, and I, he was benched for like for a couple of days. He played today because today's you know the uh, on Sunday. You know he put out he puts out his uh, 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 <laughs> you got Larusa who puts out his bullshit lineup on Sundays because he doesn't you know doesn't know what the hell's going on. Um, but a couple little side notes: the the White Sox and the Yankees are expressing interest in uh, former Cubs and White Sox pitcher Jose Quintana. Well, yeah, so I mean. I mean, he, Quintana has always been a pitcher that, that eats innings. And um, unfortunately, he did not have a good run on the north side. He was pretty good for us. Um, but I think as a five-starter, why not? I mean, Kai, uh, uh, Lynn has not been um, dominating as he should be. He's not the big bastard of, of before. He's starting to break down. And at some point, he's going to get keikled. Ugh. That that's that's a sad story right there because I mean like I, you know it, it's funny because I I 
just like a lot of other Cubs fans, just like a lot of other baseball fans in Chicago talked about the, the White Sox taking the uh, the Chicago Cubs model as to how to build your team. But uh, look, if you're going to have to go after Q, I'll be very interested in the reaction of not only Cubs fans, but Sox fans. Uh, give me a roll down over Q. Yeah, absolutely. Ladies and gentlemen, let's take a pause for the cause. and we come back, we're going to talk about the most impactful trades all time for both the Cubs and the White Sox. Stay tuned. We all know that 2020 was no joke. And with an ever-changing world climate, many people are looking for a new opportunity. Guys, are you looking for a career that rewards effort and makes you feel valued as a team member? Let me tell you a little about our friends at ACSI. ACSI is a certified RCN business agent. They provide the same RCN services with a personalized touch. Their sales and technician teams work hand-in-hand, ensuring your experience will be smooth and pleasant. Gone are the days of being transferred from one person to the next. At ACSI, they handle everything from start to finish. It's never been so easy to get internet service. ACSI is a growing Chicagoland company that encourages personal growth and rewards perseverance. As they expand, they're looking for passionate, responsible, and honest professionals to join their team. A career with ACSI means you'll be part of a hardworking, flexible, and dynamic team that is a leader in the installation of cable and internet services in the Chicagoland area. Best of all, ACSI was awarded HACIA's 2020 Contractor of the Year Award. Are you ready to grow with a local Chicago company on the rise? Check out acsi.tech and click on careers to get started. That's acsi.tech and click on careers. Welcome back to the TCSF podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. Yes, sir. All right, man. So this week, our topic is deal or no deal. We just finished talking about all the trade scenarios of the current teams but I got a question for you, sir. What you got? What are the most, what do you think? I want your opinion, not, mm-hmm. not some knucklehead down the street, just you. <laughs> what are the most three impactful trades of all time for your White Sox? So there, there's so many trades. And I and, I mean, you want to go through the crates and stuff like that. I, I, I really stuck with within the last 20 years. That I'm going to stick there because there's a lot of trades and it's very, uh, uh, how, how do you say What's that word? Uh, it's uh, based on your perspective. You know, it's yeah. like however you feel about a player. But um, number three, my, uh, my number three trade with the White Sox from the Nationals got Lucas Giolito, Ronaldo Lopez, and Dane Dunning for Adam Eaton. <laughs> I don't know what Rick Hahn said to the, to, the, to the GM over there in Washington, but you talk about getting fucking fleeced. You got Lucas Giolito, a potential Cy Young Award winner. Lopez has been a, a great MLB player. Let's no knock him. After he got his uh, his eye his uh, LASIK done, he's been great. Dane Dunny was a pretty good kid, and we flipped him for Lance Lynn. So you talk about getting pretty much one, two, three really good pitchers for Adam fucking Eaton. You know, it, it was a weird trade. Um, what I, what I remember about this at, at, at that time is, uh, you know, I mean, hell, this was this was all the way back in 2016 when this when this trade happened. And, you know, Giolito was in the national system. He was highly touted. He was supposed to be the ace of their staff, and he just really could never bring it together. And I know this for a fact because I kept uh, him stashed on my dynasty baseball league. <laughs> and every year he sucked 
ass. And then right when I traded, or when I traded him, I dropped him. I completely dropped him off my team, and then that's when he started kicking ass for the White Sox. So, I mean, you, you, uh, what I'll say about Giolito is that uh, he's de- he. I mean, like obviously the, the White Sox won this trade, right, for what mm-hmm. they got out of him. Because I, what is Adam Eaton even doing right now? I mean, you know, what is he hanging out with his kids? I don't know. In an uh, outburger, I don't know. But it, <laughs> but it, but not just that, but also taking one of the players, Dane Dunning. That guy was hilarious looking with his giant, with his goggles, and he looked like he was cross-eyed. But I mean, like they when they flipped him over for, uh, to the uh, what to the Rangers for Lance Lynn. Interesting to bring over two starters and a guy like Lopez, who did have his time in the starting lineup mm-hmm. uh, as a, as a uh, as rotation guy. But look, I think when you look at what Lopez has done for this team, being the long man, being able to come out of the bullpen when your starter didn't quite get it done, or when you needed when you had an injury or something like that. I mean, he's been very valuable to the team. Giolito has been up and down with the White Sox. I mean, he had a very good year last year, and and so did Lance Lynn for that matter. Yeah. When they're they're talking about you know being in Cy Young contention, um, but yeah, I mean like absolutely, White Sox definitely like won this trade by far. There we go. Number two, the White Sox got from the Cubs. Elo Jimenez, Dylan Cease, Brian Fleet, infielder Matt Rose. The White Sox gave up Jose Quintana. This was July 13th of 2017. This deal might go down in history as the most beneficial to both sides? Mm, Probably not. Probably not because Q did not live up to what he was doing on the the south side. Um, But they did make the playoffs uh, with Q. So, I mean, right now we got Jimenez who likes to play Spider-Man. I think he wants to be part of the Marvel Universe. And um, Dylan Cease has now become the ace of the White Sox staff. So, I mean, you know, when we look at this trade, when it happened at the time, this is the year after the Cubs won the World Series. They're really looking for another starter to shore up their, their rotation there. Mm-hmm. And, you know, after the, the White Sox traded Chris Sale over to the Red Sox, they're, that right now the White Sox were in the position where the Cubs are right now. You're looking to find a way to improve your, your roster. Um, the Cubs were in a position to, like I said, shore up their rotation. And because the, the, the White Sox already traded Sale, Q was the best, your 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 ace at the time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your best pitcher. So I mean, I remember when the trade went down. I was actually doing a service call, and I was like, "Hey, the Cubs just got the White Sox best pitcher." Now, when you look at what he did with the Cubs, I think that because number one, it came from the White Sox. Cubs fans expected more, and that's just natural because we want to win over the White Sox, right? That's just how mm-hmm. the rivalry between the Cubs and the White Sox go. So I mean, at the time, it was very, uh, uh, it was important for for both teams, right? Because the White Sox are looking for young talent. They're looking at Eloy, who you know, you know, like you said, Spoderman is not quite sure of himself. He's over there getting robbed by Lou Bob because he can't field and he's just hurt all the time. So I, I kind of. I look at Eloy as almost a throw-in at this point because at the time he was the star of that trade. That was the big trade chip. And when you look at, at the fact that, you know, we expected what maybe Giolito to be the, the ace of this staff, Cease has come up even with that porn stash. I mean, he's been killing it for the, for the Southsiders. The other two guys, uh, where are they? Where are they now, right? No one knows where they are. No. I mean, they probably got lost in the boat on the way over to the team um, or they're still sitting in the back of the bus and waiting. Like, hey, is this our stop? <laughs> I've never heard it. Doors but closing. You're you're not you're not wrong. At the time, it was it was in, it was it was important for both teams because the Cubs needed another starter to get that push because they were trying to make another run at the World Series. And I mean, look, they 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 made the National League, uh, League Championship at that time. So I mean, you know, again, down the line, 
when we look at, at, at did they win another World Series because they added Q? No. no. But, but he stayed a part of the rotation. He was the innings eater. And at the time, it was very important to add to that, to that rotation because they needed it. And like I said, they made the NLCS. So, you know. We can laugh and joke about it now because Q broke, you know, he what cut his hand doing dishes and shit like that. But again, I think it's just it's just the White Sox and Cubs rivalry that kind of makes this, you know, makes it bittersweet at this point. Yeah, I mean, I have to throw that trade in there because it's so controversial because you got little brother and big brother, and they get to argue about you know who won that trade. So it's definitely right now, no one won the trade. Well, I think we won the trade because we got Dylan season. He's just a monster. I mean, like you said, Eloy right now doesn't doesn't prove that he was the valued player that he's supposed to be. He, he can't stay on the field. He, you know, you, you you can't field your position well. Um, you know, it always looks like you're half-assing it when you're catching the ball or running to the ball. It kind of reminds me a little bit of Alfonso Soriano, where, you know, he does a little hop to catch the ball. And people are like, what are you doing with that? And then, you know, Alfonso would drop a ball here and there. I mean, I, I look at it at this point, and, and considering the fact that Eloy is really not panned out to this point, I would probably say it's a fair trade because at the time you're taking your current ace, which was Q at the time, and you developed them seven, year later, seven years later into your current ace. Mm-hmm. So what was needed at the time versus what's needed now, I think it actually worked out nicely for both teams. There you go. All right, number one, the White Sox from the Reds got Paul Cornerco. That's right, Paul Cornerco. Paulie. Watsax gave up outfielder Mike Cameron. This was November 11, 1998. Conerco was traded twice during the 98 calendar year, but once he reached Chicago, the first baseman found a home where he would reside and excel for the next 16 years. Yes, sir. Conerco had 439 home uh, home runs, uh, 1,412 RBIs, and he had his number 14 retired. Um, and then you know, if you go out to the concourse, there's a statue uh, of Paulie, you know, swinging with that beautiful swing of his, uh, a guaranteed great field. So, I mean, this is another one where the White Sox fleeced. So, first of all, uh, you know, all, you as soon as I hear Canerco, right, all I hear is Hawk. Paulie, Paulie, right? <laughs> that's, that's what goes through my head right now. But I, I will say that... Uh, you look at a guy like Canerco, who was a cornerstone for the team for so long. Mm-hmm. There, when they won a World Series, he was there. He was a very important player, and I mean, he is the White Sox version of Anthony Rizzo, right? He was a he was a a, a steady player. You always knew what to expect out of him. He was um, he was a leader on the team when he needed a leader, and especially during those Aussie years when you got a guy that's kind of off <laughs> off kilter, right? He's all over the place as a manager, and you got a guy that you know is going to be a steady force in your in your uh, dugout. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I I'd agree with you if you're if you're encompassing your uh, um, I mean, you're you're kind of going a little bit past past twenty years here, but. Uh, I'll, I'll give it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but I mean, his his career was in the in the two thousands, so that's why I did that. But I mean, Canerco, Pauly, I mean, I mean, he means the world to to the organization. And for me, I I think he's as important as Mark Grace is to the Cubs. You know that at first base you had Mark Grace, and he's gonna catch everything. And Pauly might have been slow, but Pauly didn't have to move fast. No, 
See no, he did didn't. no, he didn't. And, and that's like I said. That, that's why I. Uh, that's why I, I equate him to Rizzo for what he meant to the team, being a leader, being that guy that you know you can rely on, being that you know you never saw too many ups or downs out of him. He was just very steady, and you could always know know that you could count on Canerco. Mm-hmm. I got an honorable mention because I, you know, you said three, and it's so hard to put it all into three. But honorable mention, White Sox got from the Cubs, right-handed John Garland. And they gave up Matt Karchner. This is also the same year, 1998. The Cubs were in a postseason contention, and they needed a veteran bullpen. Uh, so they got Karchner. And uh, we got this young kid, you know, John Garland, that uh, ended up being one of the essential pieces of our 2005 World Series run. Yeah, I mean, when you, when you look at the fact that uh, Garland had such an uh, impact on, and we're, again, this is the most impactful trades of the White Sox and the Cubs, um, I mean, yeah, you look at what he was able to, to to contribute to the team to help them win that World Series in 2005. It was absolutely, again, this is one of those trades where at the time it benefited both teams. The, the White Sox were looking for young pitching. The, the Cubs were looking for bullpen help. And this is one of those trades that, yes, is very impactful because the guy that you guys got back helped you win that series. Mm-hmm. All right, E, the floor is yours for the Cubs, man. Go Cubs, go. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yes. <laughs> so I'm going to start here at uh, number three. And, uh, and, and, and don't get me wrong, Cubs fans. I love, I love, I love him. But I'm going to have this at number three for, for a couple of different reasons. Uh, my number three is going to be Ryan Sandberg. Okay. Uh, the Cubs give up a shortstop uh, uh, Ivan DeJesus. And they bring back Larry Boa and Ryan Sandberg from the Phillies. And this is the quote from MLB.com. Sandberg was considered a throw-in in part of this trade, but he finished his career as one of the greatest second basemen in MLB history. Over 15 seasons with the Cubs, Sandberg amassed 282 homers, 403 doubles, and 2,385 hits. The Hall of Famer was a 7-time Silver Slugger Award winner, 9-time Gold Glove Award recipient, 10-time All-Star, and took home the National League Most Valuable Player Award in 1984. The Phillies, meanwhile, got three underwhelming seasons out of DeJesus. Now, I'm going to tell you why why he's on this list because of all those reasons i just said i mean you're talking about rhino rhino in 1984 helped to bring back uh, um a, a brand new generation of cubs fans i was a little young for him to, to to see what impact he really had on the cubs and and as as a cubs fan who as a baseball fan who's currently a cubs fan someone who did not watch baseball at the time I, I really didn't know much about Ryan Sandberg. I know who he is now. I know what kind of impact he had on the team. I know how influential he was for a generation of fans that watched WGN every single afternoon and saw the Ryan Sandberg game and saw what he did throughout the time. And but so I understand his impact. I just did not watch start watching baseball until much later. I mean, <laughs> I'm sorry. This is one of my favorite Cubs of all time. And again, like you said, watching the Cubs on WJ when you came home from school, that's where it was. Right? You're watching the Cubs and you're listening to Harry Carey and Steve Stone. I loved that part of my childhood. Literally, that's where I got my, a lot of my baseball information. My baseball love was through watching WGN and the Cubs because the White Sox were on Comcast or whatever the, whatever sports channel it was. It was, on, it was on cable. I was poor. I didn't have cable. <laughs> so 
I grew up watching Sean Dustin's and, and, and Ryan Sandberg and the rest of the guys on there, and Rhino was my favorite player. Oh, no, I know I know you got the plaque. I've been to your place. I know. I, and I, my stuff is over there. I got my Rhino stuff over there. And I have two Cubs jerseys. One is a softball jersey, and it has the old 1908 uh, emblem in the dark blue. It's a softball you know, pullover. I wear that because I, I, I was like, I had to get it. it. It's it's just, it's historic, especially that logo. I had to get it. And so I have the Astros, I have the Padres, I got the, the Brewers, and I have the Cubs. They were at Marshalls. I bought the whole set. You know, I had to. Um, my other one, I do have a Sandberg Cubs jersey, you know, white with the blue pinstripes with the, you know, big old C on there. I don't wear that often, but if I do have to go to a Cubs game where they're like, you have to wear a Cubs gear because I went to your stuff and I wear socks gear. Okay, cool. Then I can wear a Sandberg jersey because that was one of my childhood heroes. And i not afraid to say that. not afraid to wear something that says Cubs on it because I watched both teams growing up. Yeah, I mean, it, you know, like like I said, I I, I didn't come into baseball till much later in uh, in life, um, considering the fact that what age I started watching baseball, and that brings me to number two, mm-hmm. White Sox <laughs> and the Cubs <laughs> once again. Mm-hmm. Uh, the Cubs get from the White Sox uh, left-handed pitcher Ken Patterson and a skinny little kid named Sammy Sosa, and they give up George Bell. And this was March thirtieth, nineteen ninety-two. Once again, from MLB.com. The White Sox swung this trade for Bell with the idea of utilizing the veteran slugger coming off of a strong 1991 tour with the Cubs as a DH. The crosstown deal sent a raw talent in Sosa to the Cubs, who watched him turn into one of the game's greatest all-time power hitters. Sosa belted 545 of his 609 career homers on the north side, where he made seven all-star teams and won the NL MVP in 1998. That summer, Sosa and Cardinals slugger Mark McGuire captivated the baseball world while chasing down Roger Maris's previous single-season uh, homer mark of 61 in 1961. Sammy Sosa is the reason I am a Cubs fan, and it's because of that season. That's why I put him at number two over Sandberg. If it was not for Sammy Sosa, I wouldn't even watch baseball. That was the time that I'm watching. I'm just like every other fan in the United States, in the world, watching this home run race between these two uh, comically strong big guys that have been pumped full of juice that we didn't really realize at the time. And if we did, we just ignored it. But if it wasn't for Sammy Sosa, I wouldn't be a Cubs fan. That is what made me interested in watching the Chicago Cubs. That was what made me interested in watching baseball. And like I said, if it wasn't for Sosa and that magical uh, NL MVP year of 98, I wouldn't even be watching. Yeah, Sosa is one of those players that also was on my list of of all-time favorite Cubs just because he was so personable and when he went out there he ran onto the field and he would carry the American flag or he'd you know be pumping his arms out there and he was always excited and he always gave you 120% when he was on the field um, when I heard about this trade me being a little kid I was I was pretty upset people were like why we're getting this we're getting a slugger I'm like we don't need this slugger and I know for the White Sox he ended up having 25 home runs which is what he had for the Cubs the previous year he was top 20 in MVP that year um, but didn't make an all-star game. He only played two years for us. I, I really didn't think that uh, 
he was worth that trade. And I know Sammy Sosa wasn't a known commodity. He wasn't a household name at that point. But he was really good at contact hitting and stealing bases when he was on the team. I have a bunch of Sammy Sosa cards where, you know, he's got the jerry curl or, and he's running and it's his, you know, yeah, his, his helmet's falling off or he's standing on third base with the, ju- you can just see the juice, you know, like uh, coming to America, coming off, you know, he's got the soul glow. So I, 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 <laughs> I, I definitely thought that that was not a good trade for us. Um, but I thought for the Cubs, I'm like, it, it fit just fine. And then up being one of the most influential trades for the Cubs. Absolutely. I mean, like I said, I mean, Sosa, I, I, to me, it's it's kind of sad uh, how much vitriol Sammy gets right now for what he did with the skin bleaching with the fact that for some reason this current Cubs regime will not welcome him back to the organization, which is a damn shame. I mean, we look at the way that the Cardinals were, and, and Major League Baseball for that matter, were able to kind of make amends with Mark McGuire. You know, maybe it's because he did admit at some point, yes, I was juiced up. Look at me. Are you fucking serious? Like, my balls are shriveled and I got uh, uh, back pimples all over the place. Are you serious? Like, back at me, right? Yeah. Back me, uh, so yeah. I mean, like it, it's it's kind of sad for me as as a guy who came into baseball, into you know being a Cubs fan due to what Sammy Sosa was able to accomplish on the North Side, and uh, you know I wish they would just kind of make amends. I'd love to see Sammy back there at Wrigley. I've heard his interviews talking about he really doesn't understand what the issue is. I get that you know he had his moments where he walked off, he left the dugout during a game, and, and he was upset about this that or whatever when he got traded to the. Baltimore because he couldn't say Baltimore um, you know and it, it, it's just sad it's sad that you know like I said when you look at McGuire and you look at Sammy Sosa these are two players that were so influential in this current um, in, in our our generation of baseball fans just because when you think about what happened in 1994 with a lot of fans leaving because they didn't agree with the strike these are two guys that brought baseball back and that home run race and that's more than likely why they ignored the juice at the time mm-hmm. but these are two guys that brought baseball back into the forefront and, and became super influential to a lot of players this is um i equate this to the movie 61 where you had maris and mantle going for the home run race and they made baseball relevant after the whole babe ruth thing because you know the, the ghost of babe ruth and no one can talk about babe ruth because you know he's god and, you know, you had two guys, one that was a, a outgoing all-star, and then you had another guy who's like, you know, country boy from, from that got traded from Kansas City. If you haven't seen that movie, 61, definitely go watch it. It's a great movie. But that's what they did. They, they revived baseball. And that's what Sammy and McGuire did at the time because after the, after the strike, numbers were completely down. They were, they were averaging about 28% attendance at some places. And... You needed something to spark interest. Now, going after Mr. Babe Ruth's record, the untouchable person, that's how you do it. You you create that buzz. And you know what? Baseball turned a blind eye and said, well, we don't. We, we didn't say you can't take this. Do what you want to do with your body. And then, you know, they come out like looking like, you know, like Superman instead of Clark Kent. And so uh, I'm looking at Sammy's numbers. Um, his batting average started increasing way you know when he got to the cubs and um his home, obviously his home run level went skyrocketed um but he had a really good career he should be a hall of famer he should be a hall of famer and, and you know for the for the 98 season uh when the cubs did not make the the, the the world series which we were hoping that they could have um 
03 Cubs, which he was a part of. They didn't make the World Series, which we really wish they could have. But one player at my number one spot did make the World Series team with the Cubs. Oh, yeah? Who? On January 6, 2012, the Chicago Cubs got right-handed pitcher Zach Cates. Oh, and also a kid named Anthony Rizzo, and they gave up a right-handed pitcher. Uh, they gave up uh, Andrew Kashner and outfielder Kyung Min Ha. Um, look, Rizzo, I just talked about him. Rizzo being the, the Canerco of the Cubs, right? The Riz, you know, and vice versa. Right. Um, Kashner was a guy at the time who had we, we had actually really high expectation for him. I saw him bounce around the league uh, a bit. He went 28 and 43 with the 367 ERA in five seasons with the San Diego Padres. Hardly living up to the kind of return that would have made this trade less lopsided. Rizzo joined the Cubs and soon became a fan favorite, earning a place on multiple all-star teams turning in gold glove caliber defense and becoming a lock for 30 home run 100 RBI seasons. Rizzo joined a young Cubs core that helped end the franchise 100 plus year World Series drought with the 2016 victory over Cleveland. We talked about the importance of a guy who's steady, who's stable, who you know what to expect, the captain of the team, the guy that's going to hold it down for everyone. And that's what Rizzo was when we talked last year to a coachy's soul star talking about the impact of rizzo and bryant and Baez getting traded away from the cubs i think when we saw that go down i think i i understand how it broke a lot of cubs fans heart and, and to me that's a lot of bandwagon cubs fans because you gotta you know shit, we've been losers for a long time we get that players come and go we, we've seen good players come and go too but i mean i i get the vitriol that we saw from cubs fans who were so upset about rizzo leaving the team and there's a good reason because he was that guy he was the guy that you knew that you could stand behind after all the things that he went through when he was with the red Sox, when when he had cancer uh, getting traded over to San Diego and you know following Jason McLeod when he went over there as a GM and then when McLeod came over here when uh, Theo came and brought him over and the first thing they did when they came is they brought over their boy Rizzo who they had back in the Red Sox and he was here when the when the Cubs were still shitty he stayed until the end and to this day Cubs fans love him some I mean I promise you Cubs fans will sit there and watch Yankees games just to get a glimpse of Rizzo yeah, I I still if I can, uh, I use the MLB package, and if I, I can catch a Yankee game, I'm I'm gonna watch a Yankee game. Um, yeah, Rizzo's mo- very well known for his stance and his uh, his uh, gyrations of his hips. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but That's my I, wife's favorite uh, favorite player for that reason. Yeah, well there you go. Well, um, <laughs> 2016. I'm just looking at his numbers: 32 home runs, 43 doubles, 170 hits. Uh, 292, 385, 544 with an OPS of 928. Made the All-Star team, was fourth in MVP, had ended up with a Golden Glove and a Silver Slugger. You talk about dominating a whole year, offense and defensively, because we know he can play defense. He can right. he, he, anything thrown his way, it was going to be caught because he he was very flexible and he can. He, nothing was getting past him. I, I I don't even remember him having an error. I'm pretty sure he did, but. I don't remember any costly errors, put it that way. So I am going to completely agree with you that getting Rizzo, landing Rizzo for the Chicago Cubs changed or started the tra- trajectory going towards the World Series. 
Yeah, I mean, and that's why he's he's landing in my number one spot. I mean, like I said, I I, I love Rhino for what he was able to to accomplish with the Cubs, his influence that he had for the Cubs that '84 team when they thought they could, you know, win it all, and and and, and unfortunately did not. But I mean, you know, we look at this is like I said, this was the first chip in the Cubs way down you know the, the world series path right him along with john lester were the two cogs that really kind of solidified them as a team to go ahead and make that push and um you know if, if here's the thing if rhino had won a world series with the a14 he might be number one but because this is the guy that caught the final out in the world series that ended the 108 year drought for the chicago cubs that's why he's my number one now, speaking of the 2016 Cubs, my honorable mention actually goes to uh, to a trade made in, in 2016. Uh, in July of that year, the Cubs acquired a Roldis Chapman from the Yankees in exchange for four players. Adam Warren, who I remember, uh, he was he was going back and forth between, I think, the, the, the Mariners and the Yankees. And it, it was kind of funny because I want to say he, he went to the Yankees in exchange for Starling Castro, and then he came back to the Cubs and then he got traded again back to the Yankees. Uh, so the, the trade was uh, Chapman for pitcher Adam Morin pro and prospects Glaber Torres, Billy McKinney, and Rashad Crawford. Uh, we know what Glaber Torres, he was part of that, uh, that, that crew who was supposed to be the next generation, but he was blocked by Addison Russell and Javi Baez, so he was the, a more likely trade chip. Same reason why uh, why Starlin Castro was kind of pushed along because even though he was a pretty good player, he was just you know a little long in the two for them at the time. Um, so yeah, I mean at the time uh, Torres was you know one of the top ranked. Pro he, I think he was the top ranked prospect in the Cubs system, and he was ranked 24th in baseball at the time according to the MLB pipeline. Now the big thing with Chapman and one of the reasons he didn't make one of my top three was the allegations that were going out with him at the time. If you remember Chapman, you know, being so don dominant with the Cincinnati Reds uh, when he first came up as a starter and then going over to the Yankees and finding his way as a bullpen guy. But he there was a lot of controversy with him because that year he uh, served a 30 game suspension by Major League Baseball uh, because of their domestic violence policy after he had a dispute with his girlfriend in South Florida. There was a lot of people that says we don't want that type of trash here. We don't look you if you if you separate the player from the man we looked at what he was able to i mean I, i'll tell you what when when we got him on, on the north side cubs fans lost their mind mm -hmm. all of a sudden we got this dude who's you know just throwing gas every time and uh it, he helped us lock down that bullpen we looked at seven eight nine you know it was done now when it came down to it in the world series he choked right mm -hmm. he freaked out he couldn't do it you had to have the rain delay you had to have the seventh inning you had to go to extras you had to have jason hayward gas up the team and that's 17 minutes and they came back and, and got it done but for what he was able to do and how he was able to help the cubs win a world series that's why he gets my honorable mention i mean again the, the allegations aside like you said separate the baseball player from the man this man was throwing 104 before everyone's like oh i can throw 104 now he was doing it before anybody else and uh like you said he found his way into the yankee bullpen and dominated and uh you know the yankees weren't that good so they flipped him for glaber torres pretty much got a shortstop that's gonna be a shortstop of the future 
and then end up, they end up re-signing him the next year. Which which is what what the Cubs are ho- were yes. hoping to do, I think, when they traded a lot of these guys last year. Exactly. But I I mean I hope they do that with Wilson. But um, you got your chip, you got your ring. So for you to give up a, a, a prospect for a ring, you'll do it a hundred times out of a hundred times. So right. this is a very good honorable mention because if you look at just the player, you look at his numbers. He was a dominant player, especially being at the, the closer, the back end of the bullpen. Did it work out for you? All the way to the World Series? You know, it did. I mean, he had a, he had a couple of hiccups uh, in the playoffs and in the World Series, but that happens to every closer. That happens to every closer. You, Leah Hendricks gives up home runs every, just about every other uh, outing. He's supposed to be the lockdown closer. Throws a fastball down the middle, it's gone. These guys can hit the, hit the fastball. So, uh... Him being a fastball pitcher and a slider, I think those are his two main pitches. I mean, he was dominant at that point. And for an honorable mention to get you the chip, you, you've got you've got to, you got to, That's a great honorable mention. Yeah, I mean, you know, you know, again, I mean, you look at up and down that roster. You look at all the players that that were on that team. So many of them found their way to be influential. So many of them found their role on that team. Whether it, you know, up and down, whether it was the way that uh, Schwarber came back and had that magical postseason run um, you know KB you know not fucking it up and throwing it over to Rizzo I mean just the way everything came together that season there's nothing there's even as I watch World Series now the way that everything had to go down the way that everything had to fall just the right way for the Cubs I mean it was just a magical season and he was definitely a big part of it so, ladies and gentlemen, you see what we're what we're talking about here. This is something that we're going to try to bring to you every single week. We would like to find out what you guys want to hear about, so we can give you in-depth uh, uh, discovery and 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 understanding of that topic in Chicago sports. So, if you have any suggestions, if you you know there's something that you want us to cover, you want us to really do a deep dive and dig into let us know hit us up on the dms hit us up on the email true chicago sports fans at gmail.com and look man we do it for you so we will we will uh we will do our best for you guys and that's the bottom line and that's the bottom line all right fans we'll be right back with stirring the pot after a quick word from our sponsors Hey, true Chicago sports fans, show off your Chicago pride with some fresh clothes from Grit Clothing Company. At Grit Clothing, they create that simple yet classic style that represents that Chicago Southside lifestyle. From t-shirts to hoodies, hats to glassware, they've got you covered. Grit has everything you need to represent your Chicago pride. So do it right now. Check out gritclothingco.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15. TRUEFAN15. For 15, 15, 15, 15, 15, 15% off your entire order. Let me say it again. That's gritclothingco.com and use the promo code TRUEFAN15 for 15% off of your entire order. Hey, what's up? This is Lex Cruz from Jungle AE Recording Studios and Illinois Media School. And you are now listening to True Chicago Sports Fans Podcast. Welcome back to the True Chicago Sports Fan Podcast with E-Rock and Big Z. 
Oh, yeah. It's that time again, brother. Uh Uh-oh. You know what time it is. Oh, boy. It's time for Stirring the Pot. All right, brother. So, it's summertime, and, you know, we we, we talk about different types of uh, liquids, you know, to Uh nourish yourself and uh, cool yourself off like your silver bullet. But... (laughs) I, I want to bring this up because you know there, there's all types of stuff out there, you know. Yeah, there's seltzers, yeah. there's there's uh, you know mixed cocktails now in cans. It's just it's just so available. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I started drinking the seltzers, but you know what we're coming up on is is uh, is a fruit that a couple of my coworkers really really enjoy, uh, it, which I'm not into is, is apples. They're big hard uh, big time into the apples and, and it's almost apple picking seasons where to get to that pretty close and one thing that uh, i've seen um <laughs> get more and more popular recently is apple the hard cider that hard apple cider so for you is mm-hmm. it a yay or nay on the hard cider it's an occasional yay occasional it's not something that i'm like i'm gonna go to the bar and i'm gonna have cider all night um i'll do it if they have this only only this certain cider um and it's called original sin uh it's called original sin black widow cider so essentially it is blackberries and freshly pressed new york apples it's a 12 ounce can at six uh abv no (laughs) why not no because look first of all apples are the most boring fruit on the planet Second of all, uh, th- it, it always tastes like warm piss. Like, it's weird. Uh, Who, why are you drinking warm piss? Because I was thirsty that one time, okay? Uh, no, time. I mean, like, yeah, I, I don't know. It's it's very bitter to me. I, I, I've i never enjoyed yeah. the hard cider. It's just, it doesn't have, uh, it, it, yeah, it, it reminds me of, like, it almost reminds me of, like, some of these IPAs that I've had. We They used to do the uh, uh, American Beer Classic. I think it was on, they had it at Soldier Field. And uh, they would, you know, you'd have all these beers and ciders and shit like that. And every time I, they, you get these one IPAs that taste like or it has that weird like bitter cat piss tail like oh it smells oh what the fuck was that it's uh, I was like why why do I smell why do I smell the glitter box from my cat while I'm drinking this I, the, you know how many times I'd like I'm like uh, excuse me where's your spit cup because otherwise it's going on your fucking shoes that's how that's going down so yeah no that's a hard hard pass for me on the cider that's a hard pass on a hard cider yeah baby no mas no mas Tomas I don't want it I don't want it I don't want it. <laughs> all right man before we go what you looking at what are you watching that isn't sports all right so uh, based on a recommendation from you know our page uh we we're talking or it might have been the page or was it the uh the our chat i watched and binge jack ryan on amazon two seasons of john krasinski from the office being a cia operative or agent or whatever you want to call him so at first, it's hard to believe because he used to be such a sarcastic, funny guy and doing all the tricks with the uh, on the office. But as as the episodes go, it's it's way more believable. Uh, essentially, he's an analyst that gets put out into the field because of his um, acumen for finding transactions that lead to terrorist um, things that happen. You know, so um, it's got a, a bunch of well-known actors. Uh, but uh, John Krasinski is probably the biggest face that you'll know. It's actually a pretty good season. The first season's uh, based on uh, uh, like a Middle Eastern uh, t- uh, terrorist that's uh, that's running loose, and they're trying to find him. Um, the second season has to do with a little bit of Russia and and Venezuela. So it, it kind of touches on on current topics, 
but uh, I, I think it moves pretty fast. I think the episodes are like 45 minutes, so it, it does fly by. So if you're going to binge it, you probably can binge it in a couple of days, like three, four days, um, just because it's only two seasons right now. Yeah, I, I haven't I haven't checked this out yet. I've heard really good things about this about this show, um, but it's just like every other show that I haven't watched yet, and it's on the queue, right? So it's uh, it, one day, one day if I'm ever at home for more than like an hour at a time, I might I might look into this. Um, yeah, so it, it sounds really good. I, I'm glad that that Jim finally got a real job. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did. <laughs> what are you watching? So uh, we we talked about this show before. It is a it's kind of a corny show. It, it was uh, all American. I finally started catching up on. I think I still I think I still have like a, another season to go. Um, but it, it, I didn't realize how long these these seasons were. They're about forty five minutes an episode because it's usually on the CW. It's definitely a CW show. And if you don't know about it, it's a show about thirty five year olds playing high school kids and their complicated lives as football players in Crenshaw and Beverly Hills. Um, yeah, like I said, it, it, it's it's kind of corny. I, I do enjoy the message. There's a lot of Black Lives Matter. There's a lot of issues, police brutality, um, you know, suicide. There's a lot of different issues that, you know, if you are a teen, if you're a teen athlete, if you live, uh, if you're living in an African-American community, see the difference uh-huh. between Crenshaw, which is, you know, traditionally not as wealthy or not wealthy at all compared to Beverly Hills. I think they do a pretty good job of portraying the differences. Again, uh, it is kind of corny. I'm, I'm not, I'm not knocking it. I do appreciate what their the activism that they show. I do appreciate the the topics that they deal with, where whether it's substance abuse, like I said, police brutality, uh, um, suicide, um, you know, racism, all that stuff. So I, I appreciate the topics that they do touch on. And I mean, like it's one of those uh, one of those shows that like I'll put it on, I'll let it run throughout the course of a day while I'm sitting around working on the show or working on something else, and, I, and I'm still able to kind of pay attention. But there, I, I will say that there there have been moments where I like I heard something that was about to happen. And I sat down and I I paid attention to what was going on because it was important what they were saying. Uh, it's a really good show, like and it is kind of corny at times, but they do talk about a lot of issues. I think uh, one of the issues was uh, taking steroids to you know trying to get on the field to get that edge. There's a there's a suicide. There's the uh, uh, abuse of uh, prescription drugs. There is the inequality of 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 living, right? The the haves and the haves nots, um, and then you have. Uh, you know, you have the fa- family dynamics. You have someone living with someone else's family. Like all that, there's a lot of relatable dynamics that are that are shown there. And the CW does good shows primarily. Uh, you remember, like I just talked about it earlier in this episode, like talking about Dawson's Creek. Yeah, I knock it, but at the time, that was one of the highest rated shows. You know, back in what 1998, wherever it was. You know, that's when the CW started putting out pretty good shows and i was a smallville fan so i was watching a lot of small uh the cw because i was a teenager at that point and some of the stuff was corny but that's what they have to do the the thing about dawson's creek that every time every time an episode was over i just sat there and i cried and i says i don't want to (laughs) wait for the next episode (laughs) you know it's funny that um they don't use that song so if you're trying to stream it on, um, I think it's on Hulu right now. If you're trying to stream it, it's not that song. It's it's the original song from the first uh, season. Um, they, they, I guess, they lost the licensing to use that song. What? Yeah. What? 
that's that's the iconic song. Oh shit! No, no. Okay, well, maybe we'll scrub that me singing that little part. So oh, don't worry. I'm gonna put it in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm definitely gonna put the music by, behind there too. Oh man. Well, yeah. I mean, look. Uh, if you get a chance to watch uh, All American or uh, or our boy Jim doing his real job <laughs> on Amazon on Jack Ryan, uh, check him out. Cause uh, hey, we did, and we'd love to talk to you about it. All right, y'all, that is it for today. Thank you so much for listening. A big thank you to our sponsors, 606 Media, True Chicago Sports Fans, ACSI, and Grit Clothing Company. Don't forget to go to gritclothingco.com and get your official TCSF podcast t-shirt. Search your keyword True Chicago and use our promo code TRUEFAN15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. That is TRUEFAN15. Go and get your shirts right now. And don't forget to check out our guy, Danny, and our and his friends over at ACSI.tech and check out their career section to start an exciting new career in the communications industry. Go to ACSI.tech. That's A. CSI.tech and click on careers to apply today. The Shy Native Radio Podcast is now available on all major platforms. Mike Logic, Ideal, and Throw MC talk about sports, movies, and all types of ill shit. And don't forget to check them out when they have their Shy Native Nights local talent showcase. Uh, check out their social media pages, Shy Native, C H I N A T I V E. Go check them out to see where their next showcase will be. And a very special event coming up live and direct in a couple weeks. The Music in the Woods Music Festival will be held on August 13th at Big Bend Lake in Des Plaines. Uh, you know, that's where they got those winning lotto tickets. So you might as well go out there anyway. Mm-hmm. It's right off of Bender and Golf Road. Ideal, Mike Logic, Fury, Green Lights Music, AM Early Morning, and so much more. Uh, sounds by DJ Hunt. Um, performers are going to be between 11 a.m. and 7 p.m. Um, a lot of fun. Come out and do the thing. That's right. You can get your tickets at idealraps.com. I D E A L raps.com. This is an all agent event, all ages event, and a ticket is needed for. 12 and over food vendors and merchandise vendors will be on site so bring your money bring your money bring yourself bring your friends bring your neighbors come out and hang out with your boys mike logic uh ideal e-rock big z and uh the whole crew and we'll go out there and have some good times y'all. Mm-hmm. shout out to ronesh panic serious beats and custom made for the beats we played on today's show check out panic on for all your moment merch and gear and check us out on social media. You can find us at True Shy Fans on Twitter and on TikTok. Surge at True Shy Fans. <laughs> find us on Facebook, Instagram, Spotify. Reach out to us. Uh, hit the DMs. You can find us uh, on on IG. My name is at Chicago Pulse. Uh, Z, what's your uh, what's your IG handle? I'm a uh, Big Z underscore six oh six Media. There you go. So hit us up on the DMs. Find us. Uh, hit True Chicago Sports Fans at gmail.com. We want to hear your topics that you want to talk about. We want your feedback. We want to know how you like the show. What you? What new things do you want to hear us talk about? What is your favorite moment in Chicago sports shows, uh, movies, music, whatever you want us to check out? Hey, hit us up. Give us your suggestions, and we will do our best to accommodate you. 
All right, y'all, for Big Z, this is E-Rock. We'll see you next week for episode 108. Until then, please be good to each other. For the love of sports. Swish. A few moments later. You have a lot of incest. That's real. Shut your mouth. Lover boy. Nature versus nurture, Lodge. Nature always wins. I think he's on steroids. Hasta luego, amigos. Show's over, show's over, show's over.